This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Trying to give you an idea where we're going to go today. And so just to give you a little insight, uh, the next probably at least three weeks, we're going to be on an area of forgiveness. It's very important that we hear this. So that's where we're headed. If you need a Bible today, raise your hands. Our ushers would gladly get the Word of God in your hand. And again, I welcome all of you. I encourage you to get into the Word. You get in the Word and God will get into you. So as you're getting your Bible, we will go to the book of Luke chapter 17 again. And just a, a, a word that we'll start with. In John 16, 33, the Lord Jesus said this. He said, in this world or in the world, you will have tribulation. The word tribulation there means trouble. Uh, it can mean anguish. It, it can mean pressure. Now, I want to highlight something. In this world, even as a born-again Christian, as a believer, you will have tribulation. You will have troubles. This was a strong warning from the Lord Jesus. Now, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, the form of tribulation and troubles that come at us, come at us from other people. Now, this may identify you a little bit, but have you had people that have hurted you, caused you pain, uh, abandoned you, let you down, disappointed you? Just like the signs up there, every one of us have experienced things in this life. So the goal today is how do we deal with unforgiveness biblically? And so that's what we're going to talk about. And you'll see the Bible makes it very, very clear how the Lord Jesus will help us. So we begin here this morning, Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Then the Lord Jesus said to the disciples, now note there who he's talking to immediately. He wasn't talking to the sinners. He was talking to his disciples. And he said, listen, fellas, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Now that word offenses right there, it means snares, it means traps, it literally means stumbling blocks. The New International Version says, things that cause people to sin are bound to come. Now if we really want to break it down, he said it is impossible that they're not, they don't come or they are going to come. There are no exemptions. It doesn't say if you have certain titles. It doesn't say if you've served the Lord 20 years of your life. He literally said it is impossible that no offenses are going to come. So it's a strong warning to us. This is what's going to take place. And then he goes on to say, But woe to him whom through they do come. Now anytime you see the word woe, it's a strong warning. Woe! Strong warning from the Lord. And he warns right here, to the person that causes the offenses or the stumbling blocks to come, it's not going to be good. Verse 2, it would be better for him, the one who causes the offense, if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, that he should offend one of these little ones. So what he's getting over again, you don't want to be the cause to cause other people to stumble. Verse 3, Take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. Now here's the deal about life. 
The only person I can change is me. The only person I'm, I'm responsible for is me. And so he says, take heed to yourselves. But yet when he's talking about in this area of fence, and he tells me in the area of fences, take heed to myself, I want to say, stop, Lord, wait a minute. I'm the victim here. Why aren't you warning the, the offender? Why aren't you going after him? This is precisely the warning that Jesus has given me and you right here. And if I choose to respond in an unbiblical way, those offenses that come at me, they have the ability to cause pain and issues in my life. So this is one of the reasons we're going to talk with them in a biblical way. So at the last part of verse 3, he tells us what to do. He goes on to say, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. That word to rebuke there means to solemnly warn him in an attitude of love. Tell him what he did wrong. And then it goes on to say, and if he repents, forgiving. Now where we get into trouble as human beings is an area of called judgment. To rebuke someone is not to judge them. And when I judge someone, judgment says, I know the reason you did it. I know the motive why you did, did that to me. And so when you take on judgment, judgment in itself always demands punishment. And so when you judge someone, you're saying, you deserve punishment. But what happens in that situation it's like a boomerang effect. Instead, it comes back after us. I'm not to judge. In the upcoming weeks, I'm going to hit this over and over. Two things I've found in the Bible that are God's. The tithe is God's and vengeance is God's. Vengeance is mine. It's God's, okay? So God will repay that, all right? Verse number four. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Now what he's telling us here is this. Hour by hour, day by day, I am to get to a place where I live with forgiveness. It becomes a lifestyle. And it means to release myself instead of releasing the other person. So when I forgive them, actually, I'm doing something for me. So that the truth of everything that he's saying right here is my reaction to the defense is the determining factor. Not the offense, but my reaction. And Jesus here wasn't telling us to keep score. He's telling us lose score, don't even count. And when he said what he did here, it wasn't a mathematical formula. It's every day I put on forgiveness. Now, do you know forgiveness is a lot like money? We like to get it, but we sure don't like to give it. Woo. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter number 6. Now, we're on this series, We Were Made for More. You're going to Matthew 6. And through this series, this has been about the Israelites getting into the promised land. If we think about the story, remember Moses sends the 12 spies in. They come back. Two of them say, we're well able to take it. Ten of them says, we can't do it. And they give them a bad report. 
So the punishment for them believing the bad report is remember, they lived in the wilderness for 40 years. They wandered around in it. So here's the thought here. You have these two men named Caleb and Joshua, and they were stuck in the wilderness for 40 years, not because they did anything wrong. They actually did what was right, but because those 10 guys' choice, they were punished to 40 years in the wilderness. So now think about this. For 40 years, every time they came in contact with other, those other 10, do you think they had any resentment in them? Do you ever think that they looked at them and said, it's because of you losers, I'm getting punished. You stabbed me in the back. You caused me to live here. So here's the question that jumps out of that. Unforgiveness for any one of us will keep us from the promised land. Unforgiveness will keep you and me from the more that God has for us. I don't care who you are. So we're going to start here in Matthew 16, verse 14 and 15. But if you were to read the, the verses that come before that, actually verses 9 through 13, it's what we call the Lord's Prayer. How many of you in here have ever quoted the Lord's Prayer? Let me quote it for you real quick. And most of you have said this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Right here on earth as it is heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thy is the kingdom, glory, and the power forever. Amen. Why would you say it so fast? I want to highlight verse 12. Stuck right there in the verse 12. You, you said this out of your mouth. Father God, Forgive my trespasses as I forgive those who've trespassed against me. You said that out of your mouth. So God's forgiveness to you was dependent on the way you forgive somebody else. Oof. Okay, now we pick up in verse 14. For if you forgive, now I, in my Bible I've got the word if circled. For if you forgive. So anytime you see the word if there, understand that's a choice. The Lord Jesus is saying, if you forgive men their trespasses, their willful acts of sin, your heavenly Father also will forgive you. So if I read that correctly, God's forgiveness to me is conditional on the way I forgive other people. Woo. So the same way I want God to forgive me, I must forgive other people. Verse 15. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. In other words, you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. And it's very hard to pursue your future when you don't deal with your past. Now, when I read verses 14 and 15, this is what jumps out to me. How many believers, how many born-again Christians in this sanctuary right now are bound by unforgiveness? 
Again, none of us are exempt from offenses. How many of us are bound by unforgiveness? And when that takes place, it's impossible for God to move in our lives. So as I say that and I read all that, it shows me what incredible men in God Joshua and Caleb must have been. You know why I say that? Because after 40 years, they were the only two of those 12 that went on into the promised land. They would have never got into promised land living unless they had chosen to forgive instead of harboring unforgiveness. Me and you are in the same category. Now turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 18. Matthew 18. I believe personally as a Christian, this may be the hardest area it is for us to deal with. But because this is such a hard area and this is such a big topic, guys, we can't avoid it. We really, really, really need to be biblically taught on how to deal with unforgiveness. Because he said it's impossible. It's going to happen. So we're going to learn some things here. We begin. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Now this was Peter saying to the Lord. I almost envision this, that Peter's got a spreadsheet out. And on that spreadsheet, he's got all the wrongs that people have ever done to him. He's got them all marked. And so he said, how often shall I forgive my brother? Up to seven times? Now Peter here, he's really thinking he's going to impress the Lord. He thinks he's been really generous. I'm going to forgive him seven times. Whoo, I'm a hero. But watch Jesus' response. But Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times. That's 490 times in a day. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Now when Jesus says this, He's not speaking in legalistic terms, and he's not speaking by a mathematical formula. Literally, what I think he means is limited or limitless forgiveness. It's almost like putting a backpack of forgiveness on your back, and you might as well wear it every day because he said it's impossible that offenses won't come. So you go through this day, someone's going to try to offend you every day. And so Jesus is saying you might as well get used to forgiving people. Verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, when we look at this here, this king begins to scroll through the financial records. And he comes upon this one servant that owes him 10,000 talents. Now, when you look at this, this 10,000 talents is probably the largest sum imaginable. The greatest debt you could have. Scholars today will say one talent was equivalent to $1,000 today. So this guy, he owes incredibly, incredibly, incredibly. So it goes on to say here. But he was not able to pay. His master commanded that he be sold. 
with his wife and his children, his most precious possessions. And all that he had, and that the payments be made. Now what you begin to see here, guys, is this guy couldn't pay it. There was no way in his lifetime he could pay it. This actually is in direct reference to our sin debt. It's exactly me and you. We're bankrupt. We do not have the capabilities of paying back all the sins we've committed. And if you were a good sinner, you would say, yes, that's me. So this is the analogy that he's getting over to right here. And Jesus is our king. And Jesus knows there's no way possible for us to pay it back. Keep reading. Verse 26. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you. Come on, Lord, show me a little love. How about some mercy and some grace? Verse 27, and this is incredible. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion. And he released him. Now watch, watch closely how the Lord Jesus released him. And he released him and forgave him all his debt. Every sin he had ever committed, he said, I forgive you. I release you. Now, if that's me and you, which it is, man, I walk away from that city. I'm on cloud nine. You're talking about, oh, happy day. I'm bankrupt, and the next thing I know, the king settles all accounts and says, you're free. I, I cancel out everything in your life. That's exactly what Jesus did. So watch how the story progresses, verse 28. But that servant went out. And he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now a hundred denarii was insignificant to compared to what he owed. And so a fellow servant owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid his hands on him and he took him by his throat saying, pay me what you owe me. Now you're talking about a, a, a short term memory. He just walks away from being bankrupt, and he's got a guy that owes him 100 dinars. He chokes him out, gets him in a chokehold. You're not getting out of this, buddy, is what he's saying. Verse 29, his fellow servant fell down at his feet, begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Deja vu. How about showing me a little love? How about a little mercy? How about a little grace? And he would not, but went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. Incredible, huh? Verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved, and they came and told their master all that had been done. And then his master, the one who had forgiven him, after he had called to him, said to him, You wicked or you evil servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Now this shows me a couple things. Number one, forgiveness and unforgiveness to God, it's a big deal. It's not a little bill. 
It's a big deal. It's so big to Father God and the Lord Jesus that when we walk in unforgiveness, there's a side of God that I don't know that we want to see. Anger. You want to anger God? Hang on to unforgiveness. So he said to the master after he called him, said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? Matthew 10. Freely you've received. Freely give. So really, the same way I'm forgiven, I should forgive. Woo. Verse 34, and his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers. That statement right there, it, it rocked me. Unforgiveness is such a big deal to God. Not only gives it anger, if you look at that, it said God delivered him to the torturers. I believe this, that unforgiveness opens the door to the enemy. So what happens when we don't forgive other people as we've been forgiven? God steps back and he says, because of your choices, you're now imprisoned to the very unforgiveness that you wouldn't release. To the tortures. And so what ultimately this is talking about here is when I don't deal with unforgiveness in a biblical way, unforgiveness releases pain into my life, the very prison of pain. I become a prisoner of war. I relive my past over and over again. And when he said, I deliver you over to the tortures, that literally means that the very presence of God, you're now disassociated with it. Unforgiveness opens the door to harassment from the evil one, the tortures, and it opens pain to the evil one. And where I believe it happens is there becomes a toll on your physical body, there becomes a toll on your emotions, and there becomes a toll on your mind and your soul. Not always, but let me ask you something. If you repeatedly have stuff going on in your body, and you repeatedly have problems emotionally and mentally, you may need to do a checkup. Do I have unforgiveness in my life? Listen to this scripture. This is Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. I believe with unforgiveness, it literally will suck the life out of you. It'll dry your bones up. And none of us are exempt. So he says right here, I'm going to turn you over to the tortures until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. I want you to get something. He said forgive him from his heart. He didn't say from his head, he said from his heart. And the reason is this, is unforgiveness will clog the channel of, of, of communication between you and God. 
Do you get to a place in your life where you say, man, I never hear from God? He'll mess you up. Unforgiveness will. It'll get you off track. Now, when we read all this, we see none of us are exempt. So how do I let unforgiveness go biblically? Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter number 5. Matthew chapter 5. Now, I encourage you, let the Word of God teach you here, okay? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We really, really, really need to get this, okay? I believe this is one of the greatest areas that keep us to walking in the things that God has for us fully. Matthew 5, now I'm going to start in verse 48 and then we'll jump back backwards a little bit. Matthew 5, 48 says this, Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father's in heaven is perfect. What he's talking about here, guys, is I'm never going to be perfect in holiness compared to God. I'm not going to be perfect in flawless moral conduct. That's not what he was talking about. When you study this out, the being perfect he's talking about is maturing. That I continue to mature as a Christian. There are different areas of maturity within the human beings. From a baby, to a child, to a teenager, to a young adult, to adult. There's stages that we go in the area of discipline. Every one of us needs structure. Every one of us needs boundaries. If you don't think we need boundaries, just go out and look at that parking lot this morning. We need boundaries, okay? We need yellow lines to say park right here. Because if not, we got ones parking this way. We got some parking this way. So we all need boundaries. Well, the Word of God becomes my boundary. That word perfect there literally means don't be mediocre. Don't compromise. Don't settle. If you were to look at Matthew 5 verse 48 in the message, it says this. Grow up. Grow up. So what's he talking about? Well, Start back here in verse 43. Matthew 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, that's how the world operates. That's not difficult. I hope you can love people that love you. The issue becomes, can I love those who hate me? Now, this is the verse that we got to get a hold of right here. Verse 44. But I say to you, the Lord Jesus, love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you and not the worst. Love your enemies. When I read that right there, I ask myself this question. Is that possible? Only by the grace of God. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, let me ask them right now. Are there areas in your life that that's happening to you right now? Probably so. But what I found in this, in this life, it's hard to hate someone that I'm praying for. 
And so if you look at what the Lord Jesus said, he said, you're going to have to love them. You're going to have to forgive them. You're going to have to pray for them. You're going to have to bless them. And you're going to have to continue loving them, praying for them, blessing them and praying for them. That's by choice. That is not by circumstances. It becomes a choice. Is that easy to do? No. It's one of the most difficult things in life to do. And I encourage you, Father God, grace me through this verse. Grace me to walk this out. Now I can tell you, in my life, there's times I've stepped out and I begin to pray that. And when I prayed that, bless them, Father. I didn't want to bless them. I prayed for them, but you know what I prayed for them? That God would whack them in the knees. And there's times I've prayed for him. And every prayer that I said, it was with a gritted teeth. Oh, God, bless him. Everything within me despised doing that. So here's the deal. I'm not saying, and the Lord Jesus wasn't saying, that what happened to you didn't really happen. No, he's never said that. He didn't deny that there was pain caused to you. There was hurt caused to you. But he said... If you'll do this, the response to you will be different. So the resolution in this doesn't depend on them. It depends on you. And you look and you say, that's not fair. A while back I had some issues. And there were some things that happened to me one day. And I was madder than a hornet at this person. I mean, I was, I, I was mad. If I would have ran into him that day, thank God I didn't. I probably would have choked him out. I was that mad. And I came in here. I got in the auditorium and the Lord started dealing with my heart. And he said, you got to release him. And I said this out of my mouth. I said, God, I didn't do anything wrong. And this is how the Lord will speak to my heart. You know what he said to me? He said, neither did my son. Oof. And so I begin to pray. Matthew 5, 44. I put their name in there. And I said, Father God, I bless Billy Bob. I love him. I pray the greatness of God on him. And I walked out of here that day. And something had shifted in my heart. And I knew if I would have seen him that, that afternoon, I could have walked up and hugged him and been okay. Just getting in the presence of the Lord. But, about two weeks later, another person in this situation, his name comes up. And I got so mad. I, I, I was mad. at This time... I wanted to see those people. Why are you telling us this, Pastor? I'm going to tell you guys right now. I got a flesh just like you. And this little flesh of mine, sometimes he likes to act up too. But I found this, guys, my safe haven with the things of God is I got to get in the presence of the Lord. And when I come in here and I begin to pray, no matter how wrong they've done me, the Lord will get me in here. And he'll begin to deal with my heart. And I will walk back and forth. And when you see me walking on these edges like you're, don't get nervous. That's how I pray. I walk in here all the time just like this. 
And so I pray, and I started praying, and I blessed them and everything, and about after an hour later, I walked out, and I said, if I saw them, Lord, I'm good. Now, that's a tale of the tape. When you see people that have wronged you, that have hurted you, that have caused you pain, if a bottle rocket goes off on the inside of you when you see them, it's probably a good sign you still got some unforgiveness in you. What about this? When you hear their name in a conversation, if you get mad or you get fidgety or you have that thought, I'm going to WWF them. Possum stomp them. You know what a possum stomp is? You put their head between your legs and you start jumping up and down. You guys didn't know that, did you? What did you learn at church today? We learned what a possum stomp was. See again. Those are indicators within us. Those are real. That's what happens. And so at that very moment, again, the resolution doesn't depend on them. It depends on what I do. And so I'm either going to get angry. I'm either going to get mad. I'm about to blow a top. Or I get over and I literally walk out this verse. And the more I pray this verse, the more the power of God, the grace of God begins to work on the inside of me. And I can always tell when there's a shift within me. You want to know another locator? The next time you go to Walmart and you're on the deodorant aisle and you see Brother Long Tongue up there and you turn and go this way. That's a good sign that you've probably still got unforgiveness in you. Or if you go to the restaurant, you say, oh, no, there's Sister Bucket Mouth. And you... Now, you've got to come back these upcoming weeks, okay? Because not only we hold unforgiveness toward other people, we can hold unforgiveness toward God, and we can hold unforgiveness toward ourselves. That's why we're going to hit it several times this week. Keep reading with me here and watch how the Lord Jesus will help us. Verse 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. That's his goal. We're to imitate Father God. We're to mirror God. But does the heart or the mirror of your life, is it stained? Is it dirty? Because you hold on to unforgiveness. He goes on to say this, that he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. You know what that means? God indiscriminately sends rain and sunshine on both the godly and the ungodly. And you know what he's telling us right here? So a disciple of Christ must be good to the godly and the ungodly. I can't in, uh, discriminate against anybody. Verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? You want a bonus? That's what the message says. Do not even the tax collectors do the same. Now, you know when he mentions the tax collectors? They were, they were considered the scum of the earth. And he's saying, even the scum of the earth love those who love them. Verse 47, and if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do you not even like the tax collectors do so? Do you want a medal? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. 
Was he telling us in this passage we need to perfect forgiveness? I believe he was. I believe that's what he was telling us. And so he's telling every one of us, put on that backpack of forgiveness. You know, one of my prayers every day, one of the daily affirmations I say is, Lord, grace me today to be quick to repent and slow to be offended. Grace me today, Lord. See again, the Lord Jesus, he sets the bar high. But he'll grace you when you ask him. Grace me. Now I want you to know this. In no way was he saying, your pains aren't real. Your feelings aren't real. Your hurts aren't real. That's not what he was saying. He wasn't saying deny them. Act like it didn't happen. But you know what he was telling us? If you don't release them, that poison that's on the inside of you will keep you from the promised land. I'll never get to the more. So again, today, this is what we must understand. Now, I love to read the stories of people within the Bible. And some of the greatest ones went through great, great hurts and pains. Joseph had to forgive his brothers. But I'm reading not long ago in 1 Samuel chapter 30 with King David. King David had these mighty men, and he was good to them. He was really good to them. Before he, he got into their life, they were a bunch of losers. And so they run into a, a, a huge incident with all their families, and they turn on David. And they blame David. They stab David in the back. They curse David. They want to stone David. And after everything's resolved, David blessed every one of them. He was good to every one of them. And when you look at the end of King David's life, it says this. He lived a long life and died at a good old age. And he died with riches and honor. You know why I believe that took place? Because he would not allow unforgiveness to get embedded in his heart. You study him over and over. When King Saul was wanting to kill him, I mean, somebody's wanting to kill you, what are you going to do? I'm going to kill them before they get me. But you know what King David said? I won't lay a finger against God's anointed. I won't touch him. And because he would not harbor unforgiveness, he was a blessed man. It's the same with God, uh, Joshua and Caleb. It's the same with me and you. You can harbor unforgiveness, but it'll rot your bones. It'll decay you from within. And none of us are exempt. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.